have chosen to spend these moments of worshiping together with us here at uh, Linder Road. Let me remind the congregation just of a couple of things that I think are important. Number one, let me just remind you that our uh, new classes for the winter quarter have begun. Actually, they're two weeks old now. But in our younger adults class, they're teaching the royals, the kings and queens of the Old Testament. And Clint is teaching that, and it's probably, a, it's no doubt, a great class. In the auditorium class on, in the morning, Charles White is talking about the intertestamental period, that 400 gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if, um, if uh, his first class is any gauge of what the rest are going to be like, they're going to be incredible classes. So I'd encourage you to think about that. And then on Wednesday night in our auditorium class, Art Clark is teaching about church history, and he did a great job last uh, Wednesday evening as well. And then our ladies class is in the back for those who want to choose to go back there and and study uh, with just the gals, and that's going to be great. Also, let me just remind you about your activity calendar for 2023 that you have in your boxes out there in the hallway. We have a lot of activities. Last week, uh, the staff, um, Clint and Jared and... um, Lori and myself, we sat down and we're just going through some of the activities that are going to be happening in 2023, and I think we counted up like either 16 or 18 activities. So that's a lot of work that is going to be going on, lots of programs, lots of things that's going to be um, uh, designed to help you grow in your faith. There are several that really are outstanding. Number one, uh, when you look at the activity calendar that is of note for various uh, all uh, age ranges, is our Mountain States trip that we're going to be making uh, down in Colorado. And so Jared is going to be leading that trip, and he's asked me to ask you that if you're interested in going on that trip, there's room for like 50 people on the bus that they usually uh, rent. And so if you want to go on that trip, you need to start getting your name in and let him know that you're interested in the Mountain States trip, helping with a home that is there. Then, of course, our family retreat we did last year. It was a great success. We're going to do it again uh, this year. So it's the first weekend in August, August the, uh, I think it's the second through the fifth, a a Friday evening, all day Saturday, and then Sunday morning for worship, and then we all come home. Then, of course, our lectureship, which is simply just say something. That's the name of the title. Say something. Say something, but just don't be quiet. So we have some great things that are going to be happening, and I want to encourage you to certainly uh, be a part of that and get involved with those programs. They're going to be great. So if you could meet one person, alive or dead, who would it be and why? I wish we had time to, you know, to spend some time just with each other talking about this very thing. You know, when you talk about this question, there have been interviews asking this question all over the world, and the answers to the question itself can vary according to maybe your age, or it might be your culture, or where you are are living, or what stage in life you are, but you might say, well, here's the person that I'd want to meet, and like I said, I wish that we had time for you to write down, say, five people, alive or dead, that you would like to meet, and why you would like to meet them. But since we don't have the time to do that, let me share with you a couple of lists of individuals who, you know, they wrote down, here's the person that I would like to meet, alive or dead. One person said, I'd like to meet Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, Sir Winston Churchill, the Apostle Peter, or Francis Schaeffer. Another person, when they were going down to the list of those that they'd like to meet alive or dead, they said, Adam, the first man, Eric Zwingli, he was a, prof, a Protestant Reformationist, General Armstrong Strong Custard, fame of the little bighorn, Leif Erikson, the Apostle Paul. Another list was this here, my grandfather. I'd like to ask him, how was life different from when you were a kid now? 
or Isaac Newton? Did the apple really fall out of the tree and hit you in the head? President Dwight D. Eisenhower, Lee R. Harvey Oswell, Isaac Newton. If you were to just talk about those who, people who are famous or celebrities, there was a list of 10 that was given for these individuals. Johnny Depp, Leo DiCaprio, Beyonce, Kobe Bryant, Justin Bieber, Little Wayne. Have you ever heard Little Wayne talk? He's an interesting character. Uh, Katy Perry, Lionel Messi, Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift. So would that make your list if you were to be given the 10 most famous or celebrities that you would like to meet? Here are famous role models of a list of 10. Albert Einstein, Marie Curie, Leonardo da Vinci, Nikola Tesla, uh, Martin Luther King, Princess Diana, Anne Frank, Benjamin Franklin, Ludwig von Beethoven, Mark Twain. So of all these people here, when you think about those individuals, would these people make your list of the five people that you'd want to meet alive or dead? And why would it be that you would want to meet them? I got thinking about this. Are any of these the most important person to know, though? I mean, is that the what was striking to me out of almost all the lists that I looked at? And I looked at a lot of lists because I know how to Google these kinds of things. I looked at a pretty extensive list, and the one person that was absent throughout all their lists of famous people or celebrities or just people that I'd like to talk to and visit with and why Jesus Christ was not a part of it. That, that surprised me. Now, maybe if I'd looked in lists in Christian circles, then that one might have been there. Maybe it's just taken for granted that he would naturally be on your, your list, but Jesus wasn't the one that was there. And yet for me, knowing Jesus is more important than knowing anyone or anything else in the world. I just believe that is, is really true. Well, why? I believe it's true because Jesus is the only one that really does promise you the abundant life now, a life of goodness, a life of wholesomeness, a life of good, solid values and morals to live by, uh, that Jesus is the one that offers you eternal life and shows you the way to get to eternal life. And so for me, knowing Jesus is just so important. It's just simply the, you know, the pole star for who I am as a, a human being. Now, when Jesus came to this earth, as he prayed in, Matthew, in John, the 17th chapter, in verse 3, he says that, uh, he says, and this is eternal life, that you may know the, the true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That tells you that in God's mind, that's the number one thing. And to know Jesus. When you talk about Jesus and you talk about his message, his message wasn't necessarily the gospel. He was the gospel. He didn't come just to feed people bread. He's the bread of life. He didn't come just to shed light. He's, he's the light of, of the world. He didn't come just to command people, you know, to, to love. He showed us how to love and to what extent a, a sacrificial love is all about as he died on the cross for the sins of the world. When Jesus talked about how to get to heaven, he simply says, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And so he didn't come just to show the way. He came and said, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, you may have heard over the years or in various places or maybe read something that says, you know what? Uh, there are many roads to heaven. And there are many those who can direct you to heaven. But Jesus said, that's just simply not the truth. 
He says that you might know about eternal life and that you might know the one true God. And so you have individuals that are out there that are trying to direct you toward God. You can have Confucius, you can have Buddha, you can have Muhammad, as long as a, a, a number of other individuals say, listen, I can get you to God. But Jesus says, listen, I am the only way. I am the truth. I am the light. And no man comes to the Father except by me. And so in Jesus' mind, there is only one God, and he is the only one, Jesus, who can get you to God. And so since he is the only one that can get us to God, then we need to look at what his words are about and what they said about him. For instance, the apostle John wrote over in 1 John 5 and verse 12, he says, he that has a son has life. He that does not have the son of God has not life. Or 1 John 2 and verse 23, whoever denies the son does not have the father and the one who confesses the son has the father also. So it seems to me that when you look at that idea of who Jesus is and what he is really about, he becomes the center focus of why you are here this morning. And my guess is you are here this morning because you want a close relationship with God. You've recognized that Jesus is the one that can give you that direction. So this morning, I'm going to be introducing to you our theme for 2023. You're going to be hearing a lot of lessons over this coming year. We'll be taking breaks from the theme from, from time to time, but we're going to be talking a lot about Jesus and knowing Jesus because I believe that he is the most important thing, that he's more important than anything else or anything, anything, anyone else in our lives and that we need to know who he is and what he really is about. So let's begin by just asking this question. Do you know who Jesus is? Now, you would think that would be just kind of an, an easy question, right? Who is Jesus? But people over the centuries have struggled with identifying who Jesus is about. So over in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 18, there it says that Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi. And upon arriving there, he asked his disciples a question. He said to them, who do people say that I, I am? And they answered him, well, some say you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been beheaded by then. Some say you're John the Baptist that's come back to life. Others say that you are Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. These are, are big people. These are people who had great influence over Israel. They're saying that's who you are, that you have been brought back. But Jesus said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? You've walked with me the closest. You have had a relationship with me. Now who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are uniquely special and different from anyone else. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus was pleased with that. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven and I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock, upon this great confession that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So in this section of Scripture, Jesus asked his disciples two questions. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? He gets personal about it. So when you talk about this first question, who do people say that I am, there have always been lots of opinions about who Jesus Christ is. The disciples gave Jesus some idea of what people were saying back in his day. Here's who Jesus is to us. And so they talked about some famous people in their day, John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah, or one of the, the prophets. 
But Jesus is going to get more serious about that. Listen, people had opinions about Jesus because people followed after him for a lot of different reasons. Some, you know, they followed after Jesus just out of curiosity. He was healing people. He was performing signs and miracles and wonders. His teaching was uniquely different from anyone they'd ever heard before. So people were drawn to him just out of curiosity. Some people followed after him because of what he was doing. He was going from towns and, and villages, and he's healing all kinds of diseases and sicknesses and exercising demons for people. So people came because of what they could get from him. He fed 5,000 people with, uh, with bread at one point and fish. And so maybe what is it in it for us? So, so some people follow Jesus for those purposes even in, in our day. What can I get out of What's in it for me? Some people came and followed Jesus because they were suspect about him. He's claiming to be some huge things here, the Christ, the son of the living God. So some people uh, followed after him to find out if what he was saying was so, and sometimes they did it out of just out of jealousy. They wanted to entrap him. Later on, as you read through the narrative, they want to kill him. And then, of course, some, they followed after Jesus because they were truly searching. They were truly searching after the Messiah. So Jesus asked them, well, who do people say that I am? Well, you are a lot of of things. Uh, even in our day, people are, have opinions about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, you know, he's a great philosopher, or he was a great teacher, or, or he really was very philanthropic. He loved people, and he tried to meet people's needs. Do you believe he's the Lord? No. Nah. Do you believe he's the Son of God? No. Nah. Do you believe he's the Savior of the world? No, nah, I don't believe that stuff, but I believe that he had some really pretty good things uh, to say. So Jesus, he gets personal with them, and so he says, them, but who do you say that I am? Well, even in our day, people have a lot of opinions about Jesus Christ, as we've already mentioned. Always have to come to address that. Who is Jesus to me? And that's one of the questions that you've got to ask yourself. Who is Jesus personally to me? Who is he to me? Because you're going to have to answer that question. You can either answer that question on this side of eternity, or you'll answer it on the other side of eternity. But one way or another, you're going to answer the question who Jesus is. Philippians, the second chapter says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, those that have died. He says, everyone's going to confess Jesus is Lord. So you, you know, you really have a choice. You can do it now or you can wait the letter. But one way or another, you're going to, you're going to do it. You're going to uh, know who he is and you're going to confess that fact. It's better to do it on this side while you have time before on the other side when it's absolutely uh, too late. So who is, is Jesus? What does he mean to you is a huge question that we should need to answer. And that's what I'm going to be trying to do over this coming year is to try to help you get to know Jesus in a better way so that you can have a great, um, a great relationship with him, one that he desires to have with you and one hopefully you desire to have with him. And the more you know about him, I believe the more you're able to choose him as Lord and truly to fall in love with him and all that he has given to promise us things. So who is Jesus? Here's the other thing. What's the difference between you know, knowing about Jesus and actually knowing him? What's the difference? Now, there is a huge difference, really, between knowing about Jesus and knowing him. Now, it's not as simple as just asking the question, 
when you talk about knowing Jesus or knowing about, about Jesus, there are a lot of different levels of how you deal with that question. And so that's kind of what I want to just park on uh, for the remainder of our time uh, this morning and talk about knowing Jesus and talk about what knowing just about Jesus. Now, there's two ways that you can know about Jesus. So what are the two ways? Well, the first one is you've heard about him. You've heard about Jesus. You don't have a lot of particulars, but you've heard about him. Maybe you found yourself in a discussion at school, or maybe you found yourself in a discussion at work, or, or you just maybe walked into some people who are talking about Jesus, and so you've heard about Jesus, but you really don't know a lot of details about him. You know, just the, kind of the general things that people talk about when they talk about Jesus. Maybe you have stepped into a lecture somewhere, or maybe you've had a class on religion where Jesus is a part of that, that class, and you've talked about world religions. Or maybe, like this morning, you're in an auditorium of people here, and here I am uh, preaching a sermon about Jesus, and now you're listening to a sermon, and you've spent a number of times listening to lessons about Jesus Christ. So, in a sense, you can learn about Jesus that way. Or you can see a movie about him. Now, generally, the most movies about him are ones that are not really all that super accurate about him, but nevertheless, you hear about Jesus. Someone came up to me at the service and said about this, this little deal that I made up here, this flyer or this poster I made up here, and he said, who's the homeless guy? Well, listen, Jesus was a homeless guy. There's no doubt about that. But that is some author's rendition about he, he thinks, maybe what is Jesus about? And so there's that preconceived idea of what we think Jesus might be about or what he might look like. So you might see movies where you learn a little bit about Jesus. But the truth is, is that almost all those areas there are all fairly superficial. You're not really digging deep. You're not really driving deep into really knowing who Jesus is. It's more about knowing about Jesus than knowing Jesus. It's like a photo. So who's this guy behind me? Well, okay, so how many of you really know old Dwayne there? Dwayne Johnson, also called The Rock. When you look at Dwayne Johnson, if you just take a photo of him, and you've heard some things about uh, Dwayne jo Johnson, maybe you've seen one of his movies, then you can look at him and say, okay, here's a photo of Dwayne Johnson. And from looking at Dwayne Johnson, you can, you can you know, deduct a few things about him. You can say, well, okay, he's probably a pretty big guy. Uh, he's got great hair, a lot like Jared's, you know, he's got great hair. He has a great smile. Uh, you, just looking at the picture, you can see that he's a, a big guy. Even the way he's dressed, you can know a few things about him, how he uh, appears. So that's Dwayne Johnson. So you've heard about him. You heard that he is a, a, used to be a professional wrestler. Arguably, they say one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Now, Hulk Hogan might have some issue with that. But Hulk Hogan never made the transition that Dwayne, Ra Dwayne Johnson did as he went into the movies and became an action figure or an action uh, hero in various movies. So you know those things. Here's something else you may know or may not know about Dwayne Johnson, and that is he was voted the most popular person in 2022. That surprised me. The most popular person in 2022. What I'm saying to you is that you can hear things about Dwayne Johnson, but the question is, how well do you know him? You have heard about him, but how well do you truly know him in a relational, intimate kind of way? That's how some people know Jesus. They know about him from what they have heard, but they don't know him personally. 
It's like a person who says, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christians. Or I'm a Christian because I live in America. And America is supposed to be Christian. And I'm not sure what they mean by that. Because when I look at America, I know that a disciple of Jesus, there are certain ways that they walk that are different from the world in which I live in and different from the America that I live in. I love our country, but I have some questions about just how valid it really is that we're Christian. Because a Christian is one who follows Jesus in every way. Or me playing on the golf course. I might be playing a round of golf, and somewhere along the round, someone asks me what I do for a living, and I tell them I'm a preacher. Or somehow they find out that I'm a Christian, and all of a sudden, they get religion, and they say, well, you know, my grandfather used to be a preacher, or my uncle used to be a preacher, or my family used to go to the Church of Christ, as though any connection like that makes them anything like me. So some people know about Jesus because they have heard about him. And then there are those who have learned about him. This type of person, he goes uh, her, or she goes to a, a little bit deeper uh, area than just hearing about uh, him. They might read and they might study about the, the details. Again, Dwayne uh, Johnson, The Rock, you have read about him. By that I mean you've got into Wikipedia or you've looked you've googled him you've got on the internet and you or maybe you just went and looked at a people's magazine and you're learning more about what Dwayne the rock or johnson is is about you've seen his uh, movies but do you really know him do you really know what he is about so here's the deal it's dangerous just to know about someone you can have a lot of knowledge about Jesus Christ. You can be able to dot a lot of I's and cross a lot of T's in terms of knowing about him, but that doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. The abundance of knowledge doesn't necessarily make you make us truly know him in a personal, intimate kind of way or an intimate level, knowing about someone. So the two ways is, uh, of knowing about Jesus is you hear about him, or you learn about him, but it never goes any further than that. And that's where a lot of people are. Even going to church and doing religious things doesn't make you have a relationship. It just makes you a church goer. I'm talking about a person who has come into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where he has changed our lives, changed the way we think, changed the way we speak, changed the things that we do in our, our lives. Jesus talked about those who never knew him. They thought they knew him, but they did not know him. Probably one of the passages that you know, I know I've quoted it from time to time, where it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, the judgment day, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons. In your name do many wonderful deeds. And then I will say to you, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness. I never knew you. That's the New American Standard translation. The one behind me is the ESV. But that's what it says. Jesus says, I never knew you. I know you thought you knew me. I know you had lots of information about me. I know that you heard about me. You learned about me. And you've done a lot of religious things concerning me. But I never knew you. There is a connection that comes from Knowing Jesus and him knowing you, that's completely different than just having a lot of information about Jesus where you say you know about Jesus. 
Then it comes to knowing Jesus. When you talk about uh, knowing Jesus, <clears throat> to know Jesus, I think, is to go beyond just knowledge to experiencing him, him having an impact on your life. There are three levels uh, where you can truly know Jesus. Number one is, is meeting. For instance, when you're introduced to someone, you have a shallow knowledge of them, but the meeting is valid. For instance, if I meet April here, April West here, and I shake hands and I never met her before, then I've gone, started into a relationship with her in that I have met her, okay? So it's a, it's a valid, real kind of thing. In this encounter, you can hear their voice. You can see facial features. You can identify mannerisms. You begin to know some things about them. Kind of like knowing the rock. You know, if I were to meet the rock and shake hands with him, then I'm going to be able to see kind of what his, what his attitude is like. I'm going to be able to read facial features. I'm going to be able to read mannerisms. And at that point, after maybe talking to him a while, I can choose whether I want to get to know him a little bit better or not. I mean, think about the people that you have known, that you have, have met. You have met them, you've talked with them a little while, and you say, yeah, I don't think I want to have a relationship with this person. And that's where the meeting ends there. But a meeting is the right place to start. Meeting is the right place to start. For instance, over in Acts the ninth chapter, verses 1 through Nine. Then in Acts, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 16, Luke is recording the account of Paul the Apostle as he's on his way to Damascus in order to persecute the church. That's what he is about. And on the way there, he encounters Jesus. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And up to this point, you know, Paul had only heard about Jesus. He didn't know him. He knew about him. He had heard about him. He probably learned some things about him, but he had not met him. And when you get down to verses 4 through 6 of Acts 9, and in 22 verses 6 through 10, uh, Jesus comes in a bright light, and, and Paul is knocked to his feet. He's blinded, and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Why are you kicking against the goads or the pricks? Now he's had a personal encounter with Jesus that goes beyond what he has heard or what he has learned. Now he has met Jesus. He has encountered Jesus. And Jesus tells him what to do. He says, you are, have been fighting against me. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The guy that you heard about, the guy that you think you know about, you're getting ready to know me in a completely different kind of, of way. So he meets Jesus. And then he's told to go to Damascus, where he'll be told what to do. At this point, he's not a Christian. He's not in a relationship with Jesus. He has some more depth about it. He's met Jesus, and now he's to go to Damascus, where he's going to be told what to do, that there's going to be a guy there who's waiting for him by the name of Ananias that's talked about over in chapter 22. And when he talks to Ananias, God comes to Ananias and says, Listen, I'm sending to you Saul of Tarsus. Wait a minute, Lord. Do you know what this guy's reputation is? He doesn't love the church. He's a persecutor of the church. No, you're going to be with him because you're going to show him that he is a useful vessel for me, that he's going to come to know me really well, and you need to go. And so he does. And we learn from Acts 22 and verse 16, as well as in chapter 9 and verse 19, that after hearing what Ananias had to say about Jesus and this meeting that he has with him, it says that he arises and is baptized in Jesus for, uh, for, uh, to, to wash away his sins. That's what he says. He says, what are you waiting for now, Paul? 
or, or Saul, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And that's what he did. So Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, verse 19 says that he was baptized. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 says he washes away his sins. So what is Paul doing? He's becoming obedient to the gospel. He's moving from just being a meeting with him to now coming into a relationship with him, just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Those people on the day of Pentecost, they heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And 3,000 of them, in obedience to what Peter said in Acts 2 and verse 38, they're baptized, over 3,000 of them. And that's what they do throughout the entirety of the Acts of the Apostles or the history of that first church. So Paul comes into a relationship. And that's where every deep relationship begins. It begins here with the adventure of getting to know someone better. Okay, so if you were to ask me, what did you know, Richard, when you became a Christian? Well, I'm going to tell you this. That was a lot of years ago. And I'm like light years beyond what I knew then and what I know now. But my meeting with Jesus took me some years, some, some months to get to know him and decide that he was the Lord and that I wanted him to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sins. And so on April the 8th, 1973, I obeyed the gospel. And I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what did I know about him? Well, listen, I knew enough about him to be saved. If you were to ask me, what did you know? I knew what Acts 2 and verse 38 said. I knew what Acts 22 and verse 16 said. I know that I was to repent and to be baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what I knew. If you were to ask me, Richard, did you know it was a spiritual circumcision of Colossians 2 and verse 12? No, didn't know that. Did you know that, that your baptism was a reenactment of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Romans 6, chapter, verses 3 down through 6? Nah, I didn't know that either. Did you know that baptism was, you know, a, did I say a spiritual circumcision already? Didn't know that. Did you know that it was a, a complete burial like this death, burial? No, I didn't know that. Did you know you're being clothed in Christ? Didn't know that. What did you know? I knew Acts 2.38. I knew the things that surrounded that. I'd met him. And now I was obedient to him, and that's where my journey began. That's how I began to grow deeper now into a better relationship. And that phrase awful, oftentimes is full of emotion and excitement. Man, I'm telling you, after I, was, I became a Christian, I wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. My friends thought I'd lost my mind. But I want to tell everyone, well, that's what Paul did in Acts the ninth chapter, verses 20 and 22. It says, after he was baptized, it says he began to go out and to preach the good news about Jesus Christ. He was an enemy of the church, a persecutor of the church, a violent aggressor against the church. And here he is going out, and now he's preaching the name of Jesus. He was excited about that. I don't know if he ever lost that excitement. This is where one starts to learn more about who Jesus is and what that means to know him personally. You go from a superficial knowledge, and that knowledge becomes deeper and stronger and more fulfilling, and you begin to understand it even, even more. That you might know the only God and his son Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. That's what Jesus prayed in John the 17th chapter in verse 3. And that moves to a deep intimacy. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, that was read to you a few moments ago. As you go down through Philippians 3 and verse 7 through 11, this is a, a, an incredible section of Scripture. Listen to what Paul said. This is Paul, remember. He's the one who's a persecutor, and now he is a follower. 
But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, be conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so what is Paul saying here? Verse 10, he says, that I may know him. Wait a second, Paul. I thought you said that you met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I did. Wait a second, Paul. Didn't you say that you were baptized into Jesus? Yes, I did. So what does, I want to know more about him. Paul began his faith like many of us do, with a limited amount of knowledge. And he says, I want to know more about him. The interesting thing about Paul is he's maturing his, his faith, and you might notice what he wants to know about. He goes, I want to know about the power of your resurrection. I want to know about your suffering and being conformed to your death. He's not just talking about want to know about things. He goes, I want to know this. I want to experience the resurrection. I want to experience what it means to suffer for your cause. That's weird stuff to want to know about. But he's probably more mature than, say, maybe I am at that, at that point in his life. He's willing to go to great extents to know Jesus in this intimate kind of way so our relationships continue to grow by knowing each other intimately. So over this coming year, that's what I'm going to be sharing with you, how to know Jesus more intimately, not just know about him, but to know him and to experience him in our lives. And that's true of marriage. I mean, think about your marriage and how long you've been married. And think about how much did you know about your husband? How much did you know about your wife before you said, I do? I mean, did you know that this guy took his teeth out at bedtime? Did you know that your wife chewed her toenails in bed? I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about you other wives. That's not my wife. I mean, did you know about, did you know, listen, over the years, listen, I've learned that what I knew about Lori when she was 18 years old isn't even close to what I know about her now. And that's been 10 or 20 years ago. So you get what I'm saying? The more, the longer I live with her, the more I know about her. And the surprising thing is, is that I keep finding out things about her that I didn't know. You wouldn't think that'd be possible after 48 years, but yeah, I'm just learning more about her. And she's learning more about me that oftentimes are shocking things. And so here's what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying that it takes time to intimately know someone. So Paul comes into a relationship with Jesus, and then he learns more. I want to know more about him. So developing a relationship with Jesus isn't established by just knowing about him, Developing a deep relationship with Jesus grows by coming into a relationship by your obedience to the gospel and then experiencing him in our lives as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. We're going to find out so many things about Jesus that he asks us to do. So many things about Jesus that he's going to challenge us to do. Some people say, well, is it possible to have a personal relationship with him because he's different than Dwayne Johnson, I can show up and kind of meet him and find out what he's about. I can't do that. Jesus said at the right hand of God. Here's the thing about Jesus is he's not dead. He is alive. He is alive as much as he has ever been in eternity. Being God, who's the creator of all things, 
Now the resurrected Savior sitting at the right hand of the throne of God who makes intercession for us, who cares about us deeply. You can have a relationship with him that is on a, burst, a personal lesson, uh, level that goes beyond just knowing about him to knowing who he truly is. So that's what we're going to be talking about, knowing Jesus. It's more important than anything. I just want you to know this, that Jesus is, Jesus is the most the most wonderful and loving person in the universe. And he wants us to know him in a personal, intimate kind of way. You know, you can meet some people, and when you meet some people, you say, hey, well, you know what? I think I might like Joe there. But the longer you hang out with Joe, you start finding out some inconsistencies about his life. Or maybe you start to identify some faults or some failings that just are not who you are and what you want to associate with. And so you just... You just say, I don't want to do this relationship any longer, or I just don't want to get really close to this guy. I want you to know something about what I've learned about my relationship with Jesus Christ and what hundreds of people in this audience this morning has learned and what millions upon millions of people who have learned about Jesus over the almost 2,000 years. And it's this. When you come to know Jesus, you're going to fall more in love with him. You're going to have more gratitude toward him you're going to have more respect for him, and you're going to want to worship him. And I'll tell you why. Because as much as you search about Jesus, you will not find an inconsistency in his life. He is not inconsistent. He's always the same today as he was back then and will be, be tomorrow. He's not inconsistent. No matter how much you study about his life, you will never find a failing in his life. He has no faults, no cracks, no fissures in his life. He is a sinless son of God. He's different from any other human being you've ever met on the face of this planet. And you can know him in that way. And because he is the faultless, sinless one, he's the savior of the world. And because of that, you're going to sing this song that I have behind me. You'll say more about Jesus. Would I know more of his grace to others? Show more of his loving fullness. See more of his love who died for me. More more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More about Jesus would I know. The closer you get to him, the more real he is going to be to you. And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus knows your inconsistencies. He knows your faults. He knows your failings, your cracks, your fissures. He knows your sin. And you know what? He wants to have a relationship with you anyway. And that's absolutely amazing. That's grace, that's mercy, that is infinite love, and is found in a relationship with Jesus. So here's the question this morning. Do you know Jesus? Not what you know of Jesus or about Jesus. Do you know him personally? If you know him personally, you do what Paul did on the, on the day that Ananias says, what are you waiting for, Paul? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And you know what Paul did? He jumped up, and he did it. And that's what you need to do this morning if you want to know Jesus better in a personal relationship. While together we stand and while we sing, won't you come?